I recently heard the analogy of the Christian life that one can think about the Christian life being like a sailboat. There are things as we live out our faith where we have to learn knowledge. So the person that's going to be good at sailing has to go learn a lot of knowledge, has to learn about how things are rigged and how different things work and all these kinds of things like that. There's certain practices they have to learn to learn how to do the jibes and all the different things about how, how you um, turn the boats and do things. And, and then also you have to just flat out get the equipment, the sailboat and whatever, and build it or buy it or whatever you do, all the different parts about it. And you can learn all this, do all this, but at the end of the day, it doesn't go anywhere if the wind doesn't blow. And that when we think about that in the Christian life and that analogy, the wind is the Holy Spirit. That is the power behind the whole Christian life is the Holy Spirit. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about it in terms of empowering the church and also empowering us as we live out our Christian lives. And obviously at this point, with a couple of announcements you've already heard, we're doing this because today's Pentecost a day on which we think about the Holy Spirit. And I know it's a word we don't use all the time. So I'll just take a quick one second detour just to say something on it. It's, it's an old word. It comes from the Jewish faith and you'll read about it in the Old Testament, but it, it, was a, it was something that was 50 days. Obviously the Greek Pentecost is 50 days. It's 50 days from the Passover. And it was 50 days in which they, they would come to that place where they would celebrate the first fruits of harvest, the corn harvest. And then ultimately, as things changed, it also became the day where they celebrated the giving of the law at the hand of Moses. So in the early church, it was about 50 days after Easter that they experienced the giving of the Holy Spirit. So it, it took up the same name. And along with it, they thought it was particularly appropriate because part of the older Pentecost was celebrating the giving of the law. Well, now the law was being given on our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of a real quick snapshot of where the name comes from and what, what it's about. But what I want to deal with today and talk about is how the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers our life in living it out in the church community, the family of faith, but also for us as individuals as we live out our Christian life. And I'm going to leave you with a hard question at the end about where we are on this and how open we are to this. But we start thinking first about the church just, just at first and, and thinking about it, you know, Jesus, when he appears after the resurrection to his followers, he's given them the mission. He's been real clear about where we're going with all this, but he tells them that you need to wait until you've received power from on high. You remember how this passage goes? This is from like Luke, Luke 24, um, where Jesus says, the scripture says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and see, I'm sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high why? Why did he say that? Wait, don't go. I've got all this mission for you, but don't go until you get this thing that I'm sending. Because it's power. It's the whole thing behind it all. It's the power for the church to carry out its mission. 
And the traditional passage we read, um, the first passage that we read from Ezekiel, and I'll say more about that in, in a bit, but the very traditional passage that we also think about on this day is one from Acts 2, where you get the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna read just part of that because I wanna, I wanna unpack just a piece of it. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were seated. And there appeared upon them cloven tongues, like as a fire that sat upon the head of each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. You can get some kind of sense of the power of the Holy Spirit in all this when you start thinking about these symbols. Because the first one of these is the sound, the wind. And we think about all the places in Scripture where you'll hear about God's breath, His, His Ruach being given. That's how our original mother and father are given life. You see God breathe life into them. And that's one of the main things we think about with the Holy Spirit. When we get to the creed in a little bit, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. It's this breath of life that God gives and this inspiration and this creativity and all these things that go with that. And the symbol is here because there's this big, loud sound of the wind that's blowing. And the second symbol that's in this pact in this, it's again a reminder of God's power, is the tongues of fire that seem to rest over everybody's head. And just to give you a little, if you come back at 5.30, there'll be a fire breather just to remind us of this moment. But this idea that there's this fire over them. And of course, the fire in the, in the Old Testament represented a couple things. It represented purification, but it all also represented God's presence. And if you'll remember the stories, the ancient stories about the people being led out of bondage, they get the cloud during the day, they get the fire at night. That fire is symbolic of God's presence. And we get that sort of cloud of his presence in lots of key places, like when the tabernacle is established or when the temple is built. And then likewise, later on, Paul's gonna pull on this and say, look, it's also you because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you in the same kind of way. That's the second thing is all the fire. And the third thing that you see in that passage is this God-given gift of language that takes place. And we're reminded that there, everybody hears in their own language. And before this, all the messaging had been sorted to this little nation that God had chosen of Israel. But now everybody's hearing in their own language and it's clear that it's meant to go to all the world, to every race, every people, all of this. And this had been presented before that. You know, we had heard bits and pieces of this in the past. We can think about how um, in the prophet we hear in Isaiah that with other languages, with other tongues, I will speak to this people that the earth, the nations, the Gentiles may know that I'm the Lord. And this is the moment where that's happening. They're hearing in their own languages. It's clear that this message is going out to all of the world, to all people, all races, to everything. And I won't belabor it, but you get these passages where Jesus makes it clear that it is supposed to go to all the world. And you get the great commission at the end of Matthew, you know, and this is one of those moments where I know Jesus had to face a lot of fails from the followers, but he spent like, I want to say like 40 days talking about the kingdom of God 
and where things are going. And they get towards the home stretch and the followers say to him, like, is this when you're going to restore the nation of Israel and do all these great things with Israel? And he's like, no, like actually we're talking about the whole world. We're going to go into all the nations with this message. And that's part of what we, we think about with this too. And how the important piece of the Holy Spirit empowering the church that this gospel, that this grace, that this love can be spread everywhere to all people, all time, the whole thing, all the way through. That that's where this is ultimately going. And um, that it's something that's gonna be for, for everyone. And it, of course, that is, when you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what happens. The gospel spreads to the north, north of the Mediterranean. It, it spreads to the south. It spreads to basically all the known world at the time. And Paul says as much. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in the church carrying out its mission. It is absolutely a waste of time for us as a church to be about our mission unless we're empowered by the Spirit. And Jesus doesn't, I don't know why that we get confused on that maybe at times because Jesus is super clear. Like don't go do anything until you get this power. And he'll say, this is how you're gonna go do it. So on this day, we celebrate that the Holy Spirit's going, I don't know why I'm having so much problem with this mic, y'all. Sorry. Maybe. We'll see. It's the same one I use every week. Don't ask me why it's messing up today. Um, but this idea that we don't get this power of the Holy Spirit, I don't know how we're going to do it. I mean, this is what Jesus says from the beginning. This is what the church experienced. This is how the early church lived. And that's all great. That's enough to have a celebration. Let's just celebrate that. But I want to suggest as we live out our faith, that there's a moment here to not only celebrate that, but to stop and then think about the role of the Holy Spirit in us living out the call that God, that God has given to each of us to live into our Christian calling and how it's the Holy Spirit that's meant to empower that. Sometimes if we struggle in living out our faith, if, when I struggle living out my faith, I wonder if it isn't because I've blocked the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings the power into our lives. It helps us to realize all these things. I'm going to say more about that. But the Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside us. Lots of different names, the paraclete, all these different things who come alongside us and strengthens us and helps us and guides us and does all these things for us. I like the way the Dallas-based pastor, Tony Evans, uh, talks about this. He, he gives this example where he says this. He says, one day I was in an airport rushing to catch a plane. I was sweating and puffing. When I looked to my right and I saw a man walking half as fast as I was, but going faster. He was walking on the moving sidewalk. When we walk in the spirit, he comes underneath us and bears us along. We're still walking, but we walk dependent on him. And there are lots of different analogies that people might give about how the key role of the Holy Spirit in us living out our faith. As one who, the moving sidewalk, or I've heard people talk about the power steering. We have to put some movement in, but the Holy Spirit is the one who really helps us move the car and move the wheels and do the things. And there are lots of passages where we get hints, and, and not hints, but explicitly about how powerful the Holy Spirit is in living out this life. Let me give you just a couple examples. Romans 6 where it says this, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also 
should walk in the newness of life. How? It goes on to say, the same spirit that raised him from the dead also quickens your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to empower you to live out that life. Or Galatians 5, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the self. That the, that the Holy Spirit is not only going to empower you, but it's going to help you to resist the things that lure us in other directions. And we get this idea that um, the connection, I think, with the, with the ancient version of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit will write God's law on our hearts. We don't need to be a bunch of legalistic people worrying about every detail of every law if we will let God's Spirit reign in our hearts. Because the Holy Spirit will convict us of the things that we do wrong. Not condemn us. That's something else. That's something the evil one does. But convict us of the things we do wrong so that we can live better. And we're reminded of all the many, many things that the Holy Spirit does in living out our Christian lives. I think the most powerful, which Paul mentions in Romans 8, where he talks about how it's the Holy Spirit that allows us to cry out, Abba, Father. And therefore confirm that we're God's children. The Holy Spirit is the one that allows us to do that. Initially, but I think also when we've messed stuff up, this is when I think about it particularly. When you've messed something up where you know you've done something that all the world wants to throw stones at you and you've done something really, really wrong, whatever it is, if we can open up enough, God's Spirit never gives up on us, is always with us will help us again call out to God. And as we do that, will remind us that I don't, it's not about what you perform or what your perfection level is or what you've accomplished or whatever else. It's about that you're a child, that God loves you with grace. You don't have to do anything. And that spirit in you helps you feel that and know that. And I don't think it's any more appreciated than the moments when we've gotten something wrong. We've really, and we know we've messed up. And I think in that way, the Spirit helps shine light into some of the darkest places that there are. And I think too about that in our first reading that we had about these dry bones and the valley of dry bones and how God's Spirit, the Ruach, is breathed into them. And, and these bones, these very bones, as dead as dead gets, dried out bones come to life. And that's the way it works with us too. I think the more, if we get to a place where we're dead in life, if we can be open to God's spirit, he'll bring life. He'll help us to know that we're his children. He will, I think one of the biggest gifts the Holy Spirit brings is to help us know that we're loved. And he'll do that. And then Paul will talk about in 2 Corinthians 5 about when we go to that place that we're new creatures. We're, we're brand new creatures again and again. Or Paul will talk about if you live this way, if you live a life in rhythm with the Holy Spirit, he will grow the fruit of the Spirit in you. Of love and joy and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all these things growing in us and how beautiful that is. But again and again, he'll, he, the Spirit will do all of these different kinds of things. And we can think about um, the way that we get again in the Scripture how important this is. And I don't know that we emphasize it enough, how important it is to living out our faith. But I think of one example of that comes from Acts 19. Paul is um, traveling back to Ephesus. 
he encounters these Christians. They've learned about Christ and all of this. And then Paul asks them these questions about the Holy Spirit. So just listen to how this goes. He's, Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed or since you believed? And they said, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit or that the Holy Spirit was given to individuals. What kind of baptism then did you get, says Paul? Well, they said, well, we, John's baptism, the baptism of repentance. And Paul says, well, John said that they were to believe on him who should come after him, Lord Jesus. And so Paul baptizes them in the name of Jesus. And then we have this where it goes on to say, um, he gave them the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, I, he said this about John. He says, I bapti John said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Of course, that's Jesus who does this baptizing, who brings the Holy Spirit in this way. Paul's like, hold everything. You need the Holy Spirit if you're going to live out your life this way. And it's there for us. I don't know how many of you guys have seen the, uh, I mean, it's been a long time now, but the Tom Hanks movie, Castaway. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it by now, you're, you're probably not going to see it. But it's, it's, he's a FedEx executive, you know, on the, air, on the airplane flying to Russia or somewhere. And the plane crashes in a storm. He's the only survivor. He makes it to an island. He stays there for five years before I won't give every detail away before he's, before he's saved. But, but in the course of living that out, he took one package that he saved. And so when he escapes the island and does all this, he takes the one package. And I don't know if you remember this part of it, that when the Super Bowl came around that year, FedEx had a little fun with that because I guess they had sponsored it and had rights and so on and so forth. But they filmed a commercial where Tom, which is in the movie, Tom Hanks takes the package to the woman who the package is addressed to. Five years later, it's been on the island. It's the only package to survive the wreck and he gives it to her. And I, can't, I don't remember off the top of my head how it goes in the movie, but in the Super Bowl commercial, all she says to him is thank you. And then Tom Hanks character um, says to her, if I may ask, what was in that package after all? And she opens it up and showing him the contents and says, oh, well, nothing really, just a satellite telephone a global positioning device, a compass, a water purifier, and some seeds. And I wonder if it's all right there on the island the whole time, but it's great fun. I wonder to what extent we walk around carrying this package of the Holy Spirit that we don't open. And part of our question is, you know, what, what do we do with that? How do we receive that, the Holy Spirit fuller in our lives? And I think the quick answer to that is just flat out just being open to the Holy Spirit, to lay our lives before God and say, send your spirit. Let me live by your spirit. Help me know your spirit. Help me walk by your spirit. All of us at baptism receive the Holy Spirit. That's the belief of the church. You get the Holy Spirit at baptism. It's a separate question of whether you're going to really receive it and continue to be filled by, the, by him, by the Holy Spirit. I heard of a um, seminary professor who, when he talks about this every year, the example he brings in about this is he, he brings in two cups of water and he brings in two Alka-Seltzer Alka um, packages, the foil packages. And he takes one of them and just drops it in the water, still in the package. And the other one he tears and opens. And the one, you know, fizzes with life and all this and the other one just floats. 
And he, he more or less asks his class, are you keeping the Holy Spirit in, your, in the package? Not really availing itself of the power in your life. And I think it's a question for us. Are we open to all these kinds of things? And are we mindful that this is a relationship? You know, I've heard about the couple that, get, that got married. They come before the altar and the, they take their vows. And then the husband turns to the wife and says, great, now we're married. You go your way, I'll go mine. I just didn't want to die a bachelor. That's not what marriage is. And that's not what our connection is with the Holy Spirit. It's meant to be an ongoing thing, an ongoing relationship. And it's been said that how much Holy Spirit we have in our lives is how willing we are to empty ourselves of our own desire to control everything and to allow God to reign. I'm a lifelong Episcopalian, and I want to just, I want to just tell one you know, a story here before we go on. But in seminary, I went and spent a year at a church in London. And I did that because I wanted to go to a church that was vibrant, vibrant, vibrant with life. A church where there are more than 2,000 people on a Sunday in a city where only 4% of the people go to church. A church that had done more than six church plants. A church that people look to around the world for the Alpha Course and all these things. And I went there, and if I had to tell you what was the difference, the one thing I would tell you is that whole church, from top to bottom, says this. Be open to the Holy Spirit. And to me, that was the whole experience of my seminary was just learning that. Just be open to the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to go to these places? And I won't belabor this, but it's, are you clogging the Holy Spirit? You know, Scripture says go on being filled. Like this is an active thing. Keep doing it. It's an active tense. Keep doing it. Be filled by the Spirit. Paul will say elsewhere, don't quench the Spirit. What are we doing where we're putting on the brakes? No, I don't want to do this. All the different things we do. I want to leave you with one really hard question. Are you willing to ask for the Holy Spirit to reign in your life? To not only give you the power and develop these beautiful things, the love, joy, peace, patience, all that kind of stuff, but to direct you? Are you willing to surrender that and open that and ask the Spirit in on a daily basis? That is the power. That is the wind and the sails of living out the Christian life. And it's a big step. I encourage you to think about that and dwell on that um, this coming week. And I'm going to end with a prayer for those of you who want. I'm going to pray for that. So I invite you, let's, let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us so much. And by your spirit, even when we mess things up, even when we see undeniably our brokenness and, and the things we do wrong, that your spirit can come amongst us and help us to cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, and to know that we are children and full of your inheritance. And you've given us this gift. You told us to wait. You said, wait, I'm going to send the one to you. And you've sent the Holy Spirit, and we celebrate that this day. We've received that sp your spirit. We've received him at baptism. Help us to live in the fullness of that. Give us the strength the grace to say, come and reign and have your way and make this beauty in me. Help me live this mission you've given me. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.